Take your Bible, if you would, and join me in Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter number 21. Tonight, we're going to begin, um, for us, a Sunday evening series. And we're, we're going to, underneath the, the, I don't know, the title of one thing, approach several things on these Sunday evenings. We're going to, in a general sense, we're going to title this Stony Ground, Stony Ground. Uh, I have a, a uh, embarrassing, um, I don't know, it's just embarrassing to me, uh, and it's in my front yard, um, you know, in, at my home where I live. There is a section of grass right along the sidewalk, and it's just pathetic looking. I mean, it really looks bad. And I like mowing my yard. I mean, it's one of those things I look forward to. Sometimes people say, hey, do you, do you mow your own yard? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I really like doing lawn, you know, yard work. I usually do it on Mondays. And it's just a nice mental distraction for me. So I like getting out there and edging the walk. And, you know, I, I like doing yard work. And, uh, but I hate this little section of my yard. And I could do something about it, truth be told. So I'm, I'm bemoaning something that is nobody's fault but my own. But it's just a pathetic-looking part of my yard. I actually thought about taking a picture of the good part. Because I have a lot of really nice-looking, healthy grass in my front yard. I mean, it looks really good. I like to walk on it. Because when you're walking on it, it's just this nice carpety blanket of zoysia grass. And, um, and I really like it. But the section, when I'm pushing my mower over this section, I feel lousy every time. Like I even know, I know this is strange, but I'm getting closer to it. I'm like, I hate this part of my yard. And so I'll go over it and, you know, I, I put, um, you know, lawn fertilizer down on my yard yesterday. And I always put extra in that section. It's probably the problem, isn't it? So I'm probably killing my yard right there, you know. But I put extra there thinking, please, Lord, something. You know, here's some extra food. Do something with it. That kind of a thing, you know. And so I try and everything. But I, I just hate this part of my yard. And I think I know, of course, why it's a problem, okay. I have this, um, I have this big, beautiful oak tree in my front yard. And it is beautiful. I mean, it's, it's big, round, trunk, solid, straight up. It's a beautiful tree. But there are sections of that tree that have, you know, the roots are so solid in that section. In most parts of my yard, you can take, a, I don't know, you can take a metal rod, just drive it down and it'll go down and you'll feel that nice, rich dirt in my yard. But you take it in that section, it's kind of like, you know. So what I have to do is what I have been unwilling to do. And that is just get in there and dig it up. I mean, just till it up and, and uh, break up the ground, of course, and then bring in, haul in some good soil, get some sod, put it on there. For some reason, and this is, this is where it's really the most sad for me. For some reason, I keep hoping something will change while I have done nothing different to bring about the change. I mean, I'm serious. I keep hoping. You know, all this wonderful rain we've had the last couple days. I'm like, oh, maybe seriously. I'm looking out today at that section of my yard thinking, oh, this rain is good for that little spot of ground. Listen, it's gotten that kind of rain for the last three years and it hasn't changed. 
So why I am hoping for something different, although I am not doing anything different, is again to my shame. When you start to think about sections of your life, there are probably a lot of sections in your life that are pretty healthy. In other words, it's like parts of my yard that like, oh, that's really healthy area of the, the sod. Like, oh, that's responding well. It's beautiful. And, and if someone looks at that section, really nice. But, but then we have those problematic areas of our yard. Those problematic areas of our life. Where, where if, if someone was looking somewhere else, it's like, wow, they're so strong. And maybe even us doing some personal examination. Like, oh, I, I think I'm okay in this area. And Lord, by your grace, things are healthy. They're growing. They're vibrant. But, but upon broader inspection, we see some areas of our lives that they're not what they're supposed to be. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1, the Bible says it this way. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. Now, the Bible makes an important distinction here. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily, and then you know the next word, beset us. Let us lay aside every weight. Okay, those are just encumbrances that slow us down. Like, oh, I'm encumbered with all of these. Those are things that we should lay aside. It's not sin. It's just if you're really serious about running a race, it's not very smart. Okay. So why would I try to run a race while carrying this? And there might be some things in our spiritual growth and maturity that God's saying, all right, come on now. Let's lay aside some things that are slowing you down in the race that is set before you. Let us lay aside every weight. But he doesn't stop there. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, which does so easily beset us. And the word beset means it's like it's, it's surrounded me. It, it is just everywhere I go, that is following along with me. And it seems like I continually have a problem with these sins that I thought were going to change. I thought I was going to go on to some maturity and, and I wasn't going to have to struggle with this anymore. And yet, as we start to consider our lives... These things that we struggled with last year are the things we're still struggling with this year. And the things we're struggling with this year, unless we make some pointed change, unless we do something different, we can't expect that those struggles that we had last year that we're having this year are going to be any different in our lives next year. So when we start to talk about, okay, stony ground, Some of the challenges, the Bible certainly addresses this. There's two places in Scripture where the Bible addresses the matter of fallow ground. Fallow ground. The first place, Hosea chapter 12, verse number 10. Here the Bible says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Break up fallow ground. Same idea, Jeremiah 4, 3. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground. And so not among thorns. He's like, hey, listen, that doesn't make any sense. You're, you're, you're going to find it's just choked out. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. You might, you might even say, well, what is fallow ground? Fallow ground is not just like, oh, that's, that's rocky soil. It's not that. Fallow ground is is like a field that has been plowed 
It can grow something, but nobody's touched it. Nobody's done anything with it. They plowed it and then they left it. And so now it's become hard. Now it's become thorny. Now it's, it's, it's gotten weedy. So we're going to have to do something about this plot of ground that can produce good fruit. And that's the point for us tonight. There are sections in our life that can actually be different next year than they are right now. You don't have to continually live in the cycle of failure in these areas of what we refer to as these sins which doth so easily beset us. So as we're thinking about the stony ground, the, the title of the message tonight is the stony ground of spiritual amnesia. The stony ground of spiritual amnesia. Your Bibles are open right now to Numbers chapter 21. In just a moment, we're going to dive in. Let me give a little bit of background information to this passage, and then we're just going to jump in and, and make some, some comments regarding this passage. So at this point in Israel's journeying, they're still in the wilderness, okay? So they're still out in the wilderness. But just prior to this, a couple things happened. There are big pictures involved, and, and sadly, we're not going to take the time to address it. But, but two people die. Miriam dies, and then Aaron dies. And now, in Numbers chapter 21, we have a distinct change in what's taking place. For the last 38 years into 39 years... The people had been wandering in the wilderness, but their, their wanderings now turn to some very specific, not just aimlessness, not just, hey, listen, we're just waiting for the 40 years. Now something happens at the death of Aaron. Now they're starting to be missional. Like, okay, we, we've got some place to go. And you start to track what happens with the people of Israel in the wilderness now. It's like, okay, no more is this, this circle of, you know, more people dying, more issues, more challenges, more manna, more of the same. Now, from this point, Numbers chapter 21, okay, hey, we're going to start going in a certain way. And then we start to see like, okay, hey, I'm on mission here. They start to see some of their early victories, some battles, even in the wilderness wanderings where God's showing, hey, listen, let me show you what I can continue to do. So they're marching forward. It's not just the wanderings in the wilderness. And I think this is important for us to at least acknowledge. You know, Miriam, Aaron, okay, they're gone. Moses is about to pass off the scene as well. And in the same chapter, I mean, previously, chapter 20, okay, so we said goodbye to some people. Chapter 21, we're going to see a problem that happens, and it is one of those stony grounds. I mean, if you just start to study at, in an in-depth fashion, the people of Israel in the wilderness, we know they have a problem with this. And it's continual, it's constant. But let me tell you, this is not the whole definition of their life. You, you start to walk through even chapter 21 and you see victories that are here. You see them singing this song of deliverance. You see them going and, and fighting battles where they come out on the other side as the victor. I mean, you see them in ways where like, wow, the grass is really lush. But they still have this stony ground of what we're calling spiritual amnesia. We're even going to get to chapter 22. We're not going to do this tonight, but if you're studying through it, chapter 22. I mean, do you remember what happens there? A guy named Balak, a king, tries to hire a guy named Balaam 
and he says, hey, let me give you money, okay? You come with me. Here's what I want you, prophet of God, Balaam, to do. I want you to come, and I want you to curse the people of God. If you want to read, I mean, some beautiful poetry, beautiful statements about the people of God, you start to study what took place when Balaam tries to curse God's people, and instead of a curse, outspews this blessing. And when God is looking at his people in light of what we would say, oh, the righteousness of him, there's just this beautiful verbiage that comes out of the mouth of Balaam regarding how wonderful are the people of God. This is what's happening in the book of Numbers, and yet we come to stony ground. I'm saying all of this to say sometimes I think we only focus on like that patch Let's do some focus on it. It is fallow ground. But please don't think that there's nothing worth celebrating in your life. Please don't think that God's doing nothing. Please don't think that you can't look back and say, God, you did this and this and this. Please don't think you can't look forward and say, God, and you're going to do this and this and this. That is the story of the people of Israel. Okay, verse number one, Numbers 21. And when King Arid, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by way of the spies... Then he fought against Israel, took some of them prisoners. Well, this is not good. Verse number two. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into mine hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up, un, and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them in their cities, and they called the name of the place Hormah. That is, they called it destruction. Israel had just seen again one of their early victories on their march to the promised land. This is not the land of promise, but they are moving and marching towards it. And I would also note that sometimes after these really great high points, we find that we are somewhat ripe for a low point. Now, you've probably heard that before, and I'm at least going to acknowledge it doesn't have to be that way. In other words, you don't have to say, hey, I just had this great victory. All right, let's just go ahead and get the failure over with. It doesn't have to be that way. Okay, so, so at least acknowledge, like, I better be careful right now. Have you ever hit your head on the same thing more than once? You know what I mean? I, you know, talking about working in the lawn, the other day I'm outside and I bent over to pick up a stick and I'm close to the house and there's this little box in our backyard that's on the side, attached on the side, and I'm bending over and I come up and wham, I hit, the, hit my head. Like, oh man, I felt back there, yep, I, I hit my head, okay. And guess what I did two minutes later? Not the same thing, but sometimes we do, okay. Sometimes it's like, oh, I can't believe I did that again. Okay, I didn't, thank the Lord. But, but sometimes we do. Do you know what we're, we're looking at here? We're looking at a thing where, like, I don't have to. I know I'm susceptible, but I don't have to. Oftentimes, of course, we do. Let's look at the problem. The problem. And by the way, their problem, not isolated to them. Their problem has often been my problem. Maybe yours. Okay, look in your Bible. Verse number four. Numbers 21, verse 4, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. Do you guys get what that word means? To compass the land of Edom. This means they've got to go around the land of Edom. They didn't want to go around the land of Edom. They're thinking, when, when Moses says, okay, hey, this is how we're going. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, hey. Why, why don't we go straight through the land? 
Well, God's not providing that here. Well, I got a better way to do this. No, 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 no. This is the way we're going. We're going to go around the land of Edom. Now, look at what happens as a result. They journeyed from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Much discouraged because of the way. The word discouraged there, it means grieved. They're troubled. It goes so far as they are vexed. Do you know what else the, the word means? They, they're much discouraged. The people are like, man, I'm, I don't like this. The word means shortened, shortened. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, they got a short fuse? They got a short fuse. Or someone, well, they were so short with me. We're not talking about some physical characteristic, okay? What we're talking about is, oh, wow, they're, they're acting in a manner that is vexed. They're acting in a manner that's troubled, that's grieved. The soul of the people much discouraged because of the way. A couple things they didn't like. First of all, they didn't like the plan. I don't like this plan. Okay, now let me ask you, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been a little bit bugged because of the plan? Okay, hey, here's what we're going to do. Have you ever even started to make a face while the plan is being explained to you? You know what I mean? Like it starts, you can't help it. It's like, oh, you know, so you start making this face while a plan is being, okay, here's what we're going to do. Okay, so a lot of students in here at the beginning of the semester. How many of you at the beginning, like the, the opening of classes, and a teacher says, here's what we're going to do through the course of this semester. And you're like, what in the world? Drop ad, baby. That's what I'm going to do right now. Okay. <laughs> so we started to think, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. This is a bad way. Okay, they don't like the plan. Hey, how many of you have, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have a boss? And how many of you, how many of you in your mind, you're, the boss is like, why in the world would that be anybody's plan? I mean, seriously, did you consult me? The answer is no, all right? Should you have consulted me? Clearly the answer, I don't like their plan, okay? This is the idea that Israel is bugged because they don't like the plan. And you know, you and I are usually pretty happy when, when people go with our way of thinking. Pretty happy. Like the breeze is at my back, you know. It's gentle, the, the, the wind has filled my sail, and whoosh, off I go. And now, hey, everything's really wonderful because they follow, they're following, that's exactly the way it should be done. Or somebody even thought to ask you, hey, what do you think? I think this. Okay, that's a good idea. And my, aren't we pleased with that? But how often is life going to be, you know, this wind at your back kind of scenario? How often are you going to have this, this like, the, oh, man, the, the, the wind has filled my sail. And I'm, I'm just going, it's just life doesn't treat you that way. And I would submit that God specifically orchestrates times in life where it's not going to treat you that way. The question is, how do you respond when the wind is at your face and it's, and it's pretty brisk? And, and it's pretty brutal. And you've got to get from point A to point B. And, and you're going to have to do some serious navigating to try to get that ship, so to speak, from point A to point B. Because the wind is contrary to you. You know, they just didn't like the plan. Anybody can, can you know, anybody can look fine when everything is going your way. But such was not the case, of course, with Israel. They didn't like the provisions. 
I mean, think about this. They don't like the provisions. If you look at the last part, if your Bibles are open, Numbers 21, look at the last part of verse number five. For there is no, here's what they're saying. There's no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth, loatheth. I mean, think about how strong a word. Our soul loatheth this light bread. And here's really what they're saying about the bread. They're saying, hey, this bread is not worthy of me. That's what they're saying. Okay, we don't have any water. Okay, now pause just a minute. We are a long, we're we are almost 40 years past when the people, we're past 40 years, years when they're first called out of, uh, out of Egypt. We're past that. Has God provided water for them in the past? Yes or no? Good night. Repeatedly. They've got a little spiritual amnesia going on. Was no water. Like the, the, the God who can just tell someone to strike the rock and water comes flying out. The God who can say, hey, spring up, oh well, and water comes, you know, pouring out. The God who can say, throw a tree in the bitter water and the bitter water's made sweet. What, what is their problem here? I'll tell you what the problem is, a little spiritual amnesia. So I guess God's no longer in the water business. We, we don't like what you're providing. There's no water. There's no food. And I'm telling you another thing I don't like. I don't like the food. Whew. Isn't it amazing how oftentimes in the abundance with which you and I have food continually presented before us, isn't it quite remarkable how often we grumble about food? I, I don't know this for fact, but man, I... I I doubt there has ever been a time in the history of mankind where people like you and me have had an abundance of food presented before us in the fashion with which we have it and in the choices with which we have it. And how often do we become a little bit grumbly about the provi God's provision of food? It's not, it's not worthy of me. And that's what they're saying. Our soul loatheth this light bread. Seriously, this is what we're supposed to eat? God, you can't do anything better than that. You know what they have? They have a little spiritual amnesia. They didn't like the, they, they didn't like the plan. They didn't like the provision. They didn't like the person. Again, verse number five, and the people spake against God and against Moses. Against Moses. You know, wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? So here we are, you know. In Numbers chapter 12, Aaron and Miriam had some spiritual amnesia themselves. They said, Numbers chapter 12, verse number 2, and they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? <laughs> hath he not spoken by us? And the Lord heard it. <laughs> wow, Miriam, she, she turns leprous. Th this is a serious matter because they're, they're grumbling against God's man, against Moses. Well, who does Moses think he is? And this is his siblings. Do you know how much that must have hurt? Because these are people, like this is his brother, his sister. Well, who does Moses think he is? And they start chatting it up, you know. So Moses, uh, excuse me, Aaron, Miriam, like, uh, uh, did you see what? And it probably starts as a little question with a little inflection. So what did you think about uh, the decision Moses made yesterday? And if someone questioned them on that, say, what? I was just asking a question. I mean, seriously, there's no big, I can't, oh, I can't even ask a question. But there's something behind the question, okay. And now, you know, Aaron responds like, yeah, I mean, who does he think he is? You know, I mean, seriously, when we went into Pharaoh, do you know who was the mouthpiece? 
I mean, Miriam, Moses is a great guy and all, and I know the Lord's using him. Amen. I'm thankful for that. But, but clearly, I'm the, I am the one that the Lord was speaking by. Moses, he, he didn't even want to speak himself. So I know the Lord's not only speaking by Moses. And you know what started between them? I, I don't pretend to know all the way that it happened, but I do know that they begin to murmur between themselves. And I also know it wasn't just between themselves. And murmuring never is. Never And the Lord heard it. The Lord heard it. If you were to do an honest evaluation of my own life, and I'm not talking about my front yard. I'm talking about like, oh, wow, hey, pastor. That's a a nice uh, lush area of your life. That's a good area. There's, There's good things growing, fruit, fruit that remains. But, oh. And I, I, I have at times these, these murmurings. I, I start to grumble and complain. And, and, and murmuring is never content to just murmur to self. It wants someone else to engage in it. So what did you think about? And the Lord heard it. It is never isolated. It is never just between you. It is never just, oh, it's just me and my friend. We were just talking. Well, let me tell you, you might have just been talking, but there's somebody else who's listening. They, they had forgotten. They, they, I mean, number 16, Korah, Datham, Abiram. Do you know the earth literally opens up and swallows those who are contending with Moses and his leadership? There are those who, who actually say, hey, hey, we can offer some strange fire ourselves. There are so many times where God over and over and over again said, hey, listen, we get it. Moses isn't perfect, and he wasn't. But he was God's man for the hour, and people had some spiritual amnesia. They didn't like the power. I mean, ultimately, Numbers 21.5, and the people spake against God. Wow. The people spake against God. Obviously, this is dangerous ground. You know, to, to honestly, to wrap up these thoughts, there is pain and a picture that take place. Numbers 21, verse number 6, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. The Lord sent fiery serpents. You say, what, what was that? I don't know, fiery serpents. And, and much people of Israel died. Why? Well, because sin always brings some kind of pain, always. And you know our murmuring? I, I would be interested to know. Maybe the Lord will reveal this to us someday. But maybe someday we'll see where did that little, behold, how great a fire a little matter kindleth. Man, you talk about the massive fires we've seen and the, the loss of life as a result of it just recently. Behold, how great a fire just a little kindling wood. And I wonder who started the, the fire. You know, who started this? And now people die because, oh, yeah, yeah, who is, who is Moses? And our soul, we're tired of this light bread. And, and God, this people speak against God. So, so fiery serpents, the pain That is what happens with this this stony ground of spiritual amnesia, forgetting, God, why didn't I remember what you've done in the past? 
What's the prescription? It really starts in verse number 7. The people came to Moses and said, this, this is always a great prescription. We have sinned. We have sinned. Moses, we sinned. Those are hard words to utter. They, they did not say, uh, Moses, I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to tell you who started it. I mean, I, I know I probably participated, but he's the guy. He, they didn't say that. Mo- Moses, we have sinned. And Moses now is this picture of the one who's going before God. Moses goes, God, they're, they're confessing. What do we do? And God said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a brazen serpent, a brass serpent. And I want you to put it on a pole. I want you to stick it up in the middle of the camp. Do you remember when Jesus is sharing the gospel with Nicodemus? Even as the Son of Man must also be lifted up, like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. you remember that? That's where this comes from. And now, here's what they're instructed to do. There's this brazen serpent. They only had to go look at the serpent and live. When I was a kid, the doctor's office where I went when I was a kid, he had a symbol, a doctor's symbol. Maybe some of you are familiar with it, but do you know what it is? Sometimes we might even scratch our head and say like, wow, where in the world does that symbol come from? It's a, it's a symbol of a staff and a serpent wrapped around it. It, it comes from this. And, and who was the one? All they had to do is go look to the serpent. They had to, like if they're sick and dying and a kid runs and tells his dad, 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 the, Moses put a, a serpent up. It, it's this brazen serpent. Brass in the Bible, always a picture of judgment. That's why you have the, the, the brazen uh, laver outside the tabernacle. Like, oh, wow, this picture of judgment. And then you have the gold, the picture of fellowship inside the tabernacle. Jesus now, he's the one who becomes lifted up for us in judgment for our sin. And now all I do is is I just simply by faith look to Jesus like a person in the wilderness had to look to that serpent lifted up in the wilderness. Isn't God amazing how he ties everything together? You say, what's, what's the prescription? And look, look to the one who has what you need. Always. Always. He has what you need. God, I look to you and I remember my past. I look to you and I remember your provision. I look to you and I remember my forgiveness. I look to you and I see that you are always and only good. Lord, I look away from myself and I look to you. You know, the people in Numbers 21, just a few verses later, we're going to get, to, you get to verse number 14, and, and then he just starts to rehearse again. L- look down, if you have your Bible open, Numbers 21, verse number 14. Wherefore it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord, what he did in the Red Sea, and the brooks of Arnon, and at the stream of the brooks that goeth by the dwelling of Ar, and lieth upon the border of Ahab, and from thence they went into Bear. He just starts to go, okay, hey, listen, let's remember what God did. Do you know how many times over and over and over again in Scripture we have this, this continual call to remember What's the, what's the key that we know the amnesia is fading? When we can rightly remember. Listen, Campus Church, one of the, the stony grounds 
fallow grounds of our lives that must be broken up. Is that, that stony ground of spiritual amnesia that brings about a spirit of murmuring? Do you want to start somewhere? Memorize two passages of Scripture. Just two passages, and they're easy to memorize. Psalm 77, 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Do you want to have some help with spiritual amnesia? Like, I'm a murmurer. I'm a complainer. Okay. I will remember the works of the Lord. They are, they are marvelous in my eyes. And then Philippians 2.14 do all things without murmuring and disputing. You know, there is that little old song, Ain't God Good, to give us so many blessings. Spiritual amnesia begins to fade rapidly when you start to remember the goodness of God in the land of the living.